This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. We're live. We're ready. Go. Nice control. We'll do it live. Okay. Ready. Switch on. We'll do it live. From AMI headquarters in the center of it all. Hey, it's legendary professional baseball player Joe Carter. Hi, this is Mike Pinball Clemens. Hi, this is Wendell Clark. Hey, this is Trish Stratus. Hi, this is Curtis Granderson of your Toronto nope. Blue. Nope, you're your... a Milwaukee Brewer now. Really? Hey, this is Doug Gilmore, NHL Hall of Famer. Hi, it's future Hall of Famer Jeremy Roenick. Yo, what's going on? This is Drake. Hey, you're Blue Fabric. No, the real incredible Hall. Hey, this is Josh Donaldson of your Toronto Hold on, Blue. hold on. What? You're a Cleveland Indian now. Oh, really? <laughs> The Neutral Zone, an in-depth discussion on para-sports and professional sports with your host and Paralympian, Brock Richardson. We're off and running for yet another Saturday edition of The Neutral Zone. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Brett Wills and Cam Jenkins. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Brock, it's Saturday morning. Uh, the morning got off to a really rough start. I'm a little tired, but I got my tea, so uh, I'm happier. Do you want and, to, it, and it was about 20 minutes ago when we were downstairs. Do you want to shout out the uh, who helped you with your tea this morning? Shout out to Samantha. Shout out to Catherine. Shout out to AMI for having tea in the lunchroom. There you go. So literally, I roll in this morning at about quarter after 10. I get a message from Brett that reads, Fair warning, I'm cranky. I have not had my tea. I said, well, there's a Starbucks up the road. I said, we got until 10.30 till Andy lets us upstairs. No, no, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to make it on time. Then I tell Andy, we're all here, and one of us has less tea than the others. And he says, well, you could go to uh, Starbucks. you got time. You can wait. No, he still decides not to go to Starbucks. He waits to get the tea in the office. So that's how Brett's morning gets you, you see, this is how, how I thought about that this morning. Starbucks usually has a lineup. I was worried that Andy was going to be at the the elevator before I got back. And I don't know anybody in the right mind that would pay $4 for a tea. Fair enough. $4? Isn't it $4 for a tea? Where? At Starbucks? Starbucks Oh, at the fancy one, yeah. Yes. They have like $6 coffee there. I'm not buying that. I don't even drink coffee. They got the free stuff here. (laughs) Like, I, I don't know, like... Here's a concept. Why don't you get up earlier and just get yourself a tea earlier? You see, I, I have a, uh, a Tim Hortons up the street from my house. And mm-hmm. so I drove by it to see if it was feasible. Mm-hmm. And again, you guys mean a lot to me. If I'm late, I'm going to feel really, really bad. Hence getting up earlier so you can go to Tim Hortons to get your tea so you're not this so morning cranky. I, th- th- this morning I actually left. Is this 20- something that I can go to HR about, about him being so cranky? <laughs> or like, I, I don't know. Is I this left, some sort of... I left 20 minutes earlier because of the rain this morning. Here, here's the... Here's and the, I still managed to get here just in time. Here's the deal. When we started this in September, when I sent out the email and I said... Please be at AMI between 10.30 and 10.45. Yeah. So that means that you have a 15-minute window before Andy's like, well, whoever's here, they're just doing the show. You totally could have gone to Starbucks this morning or Tim Hortons and we would have been perfectly fine. But I appreciate your punctuality. And you see, I don't mind if I disappoint you two. But if I disappoint Andy Frank, my life is over. Oh. <laughs> don't give Andy that much, don't, because the poor man's gonna feel like 
He holds a lot of stock with your disappointment levels. Or if if you want to go one step further, instead of buying a tea, I have a bunch of tea bags just at my desk. <laughs> I, I, they're it's green tea. I don't know if you like green tea, but you know we have hot water in the kitchen. I got the tea bag. It takes what ten seconds to to, to brew a tea and let it steep. So. I don't know. If you're ever in a pinch, just just call me. Can we just move on and stop talking about sports, or, or I still have those pickled onions. They're in the fridge, too. We can uh, bust those bad boys out if you want. You know what? I actually would like one right now. I can go get it. <laughs> don't tempt me. <laughs> oh, yes. The pickled onion has resurfaced. Well, we've talked about Brett and his ailments for about four and a half minutes too long. That's a good start to the... Let's, uh, yeah, I think our listeners actually yeah. want to listen to some sports now, so how about we get started? Yeah, we, we, we make Brett feel bad, so then our audience can sort of laugh at Brett. So yes, that's, hopefully they're laughing. That's what's going on. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's discuss the uh, Houston Rockets fight with the L.A. Lakers. Thoughts, gentlemen, are what? Cam, I'll let you go first. It seemed like, uh, who was it, Rondo spit in somebody's face, but he had his mouth guard in. So he's like, well, I didn't really spit in someone's face because I had my mouth guard in. But when you got the super zoom lens, it looks like he did spit. And that's just disgusting. It is disrespectful to an opponent to spit in somebody's face, and it never should have happened. It almost looked like he spit in his mouth, too, which is really <laughs> even <laughs> even more disgusting. But he definitely crossed the line. I mean, if you're going to fight somebody, just punch him. Don't spit at him, right? I mean, you, he he crossed the line. They've they've got strict rules with that. I mean, uh, diseases can spread like that. I mean, no one wants to get spit in the face. I think it's kind of a cowardly move by Rondo. Um, but I was kind of surprised that Brandon Ingram got the most games. I think he got four games, and uh, Rondo ended mm-hmm. up getting three games. I don't know how that's possible if you spit in the guy's face. I feel like that should be at least ten games. Um, obviously, they don't want fighting in the league anyways, but when you cross that line even further and spit in somebody's face, I'm just shocked that Ingram got, got more games than Rondo. Well, I think he got more games. Uh, the reason being is because he was kind of like the last man in the fight. He was like the third, the third guy in, exactly. I guess. So I think that's why. But Rondo like, spit in his face oh. and then threw a wicked punch, and I think it landed on oh, it Chris did. Paul, too. It did. Yeah. So like I don't HBO know how. I, I want to I know what comes down to like decision-making and suspending NBA players like that. Because three- obviously Rondo did – like he was like the the – the person who started everything and did the worst. He spit and he nailed Chris Paul in the head. You guys keep <laughs> talking about three guys. And you, the thing is, you don't talk about Chris Paul. I keep reading this week that Chris Paul has got to be the most awful teammate that the NBA has ever had. And and I know that doesn't make sense based on the, the scenario or the situation. But, uh, but I mean, I, I think that uh, attitude and... What not that that rubs off on somebody, especially on the court. Like he could be the worst guy and have the worst attitude, or um, I, I, you know, I, you get know what? upset with somebody. But if he's the one getting attacked or getting hit, I don't. Then... Ag- I'll say that I don't agree with being sp- that somebody should spit on somebody else or somebody should take a swing at somebody else. But I mean, all I've read, like I said, is all I've read is Chris Paul is a terrible teammate and he's he's bad on the floor and. But the thing that doesn't make sense to me in this whole thing, and all I heard was, oh, uh, Rondo would have got two games, but because he spit in someone's face, they added an extra game. Like, 
so you only had one game because the guy spit in someone's – and I don't care what kind of teammate you are. You shouldn't you, – that shouldn't mean that you should spit on the person. Like, it's just not okay with me. Like, if anyone in this environment or work environment, if you spit on one of your coworkers, because that's exactly what it is, we'd all be suspended if not fired. Am I wrong? Like – I know Brett and I get into it uh, quite a few times. We've never come to fisticuffs yet on AMI Audio, I, but uh, you never know. But I, I, I do have a I confession. I would never ever spit in Brett's face. I do, I do have a confession about spitting. Yes, I, I think in the thirty-four years that I've been on this earth, I've accidentally spat on somebody indirectly, like the Seinfeld episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the <laughs> that was with Keith Hernandez, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the Seinfeld episode. Oh, I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. If yeah, you're like. intentionally, it's okay. Inten- but... it, yeah, unintentionally, we'll give you a pass. But I if mean, you're to spit on somebody intentionally, then, you know. I mean, you get going, you get talking, and, you know, sometimes things just start flying. I totally get that. But in a game, it's just not okay. I, uh, you know, totally not agree with it. I think you should have gotten more games than that. I think the 10 games would have been where I would have put it. But apparently they decided uh, three games... Um, is enough. I, I We're going to talk about the Raptors at length in a uh, future segment in the show, but I just want to discuss sort of the other parts of the NBA. The Cleveland Cavaliers have yet to win a game. Anyone got any thoughts? Not Who are surprised. The Cleveland Cla- <laughs> Who's the Cleveland Cavaliers? Uh, some <laughs> team without LeBron James. Who's LeBron James? He's in L.A. What's their record right now? Three and two the last time I... Well, th- no... Two and three. Yep, they're two yeah. and three. Yeah, two and three. And they play San Antonio tonight at eight thirty, which should be a pretty good game. Seeing Demar Derozan go against LeBron James. <laughs> yes, but the Cleveland Cavaliers, they—I'm not surprised. Obviously, the best player in the world left their team. You expected regression. I don't know if we expected this much regression to have zero wins. Tevin Love has played very well, but surprise, surprise, he's injured again. So he's sort of in and out of the lineup. I forget what he has—the injury. He. I mean, he's always he's he's just like an injury waiting to happen, anyways. But not really surprised whatsoever with the Cleveland Cavaliers having a, a winless record so far this year. And it's typical because Kevin Love's getting no love either by his teammates, by the fans, or by his body. Do you guys think the Cleveland? I'm just not even gonna. I'm I'm not even gonna touch the last part of your comment. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I thought that was really know. clever, but I mean, you know, what what I what, find clever and what the three of you find clever is. Two different things or three different things. With Tristan Thompson, he's not really doing too much either. Um, he's really nothing without LeBron. It just shows you how much LeBron uh, meant to that team. Or they're trying to figure out how to play without LeBron and, uh, y- you know, win. And they haven't been able to do it so You know, far. Tristan's nothing without LeBron. He's also nothing without the Kardashians. Yes, that is true because he got into a lot of drama last year with the Kardashians and uh, all that stuff that went on. The, the thing, the thing that really surprises me is Tristan Thompson said at the beginning of the season. Now I know you know before a game starts, you're gonna say things like this, but we are an NBA championship caliber team, and I'm looking at their record now and their style of play, and I'm going, I don't think so. It's just uh, been that way. Any well, other team that's uh, stood out to anybody? But I like I like the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they're so fun to watch, especially with Gallianis. 
Uh, Greek freak. The is Greek that his freak. Nickname? That's his nickname. Yeah. I, I always love watching him just because he's so long. He's so athletic. He's like almost seven feet tall. He basically runs the point. And whenever you can get a player like that, they don't come around very often, if ever. He's basically one of a kind, and he'll dunk over everybody, uh, regardless of their of their win record. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be good this year, but regardless of, of their win record, I think that you should uh, definitely tune into some Milwaukee Bucks games. I remember last week uh, Brock asked me if I was gonna make any more bets based on pickled onions. Um, I bet you that the Greek freak is going to be. Uh, MVP of the league this year. He could be. By the way, <laughs> Milwaukee is undefeated still, 5-0. and And they're going to face the Toronto Raptors on uh, Monday Monday night, Tuesday night, one of the two, uh, in Milwaukee, uh, which will be a very fascinating game yeah. uh, to watch. I just want to see how the Raptors uh, level up against a team like that. Uh, very interesting. Uh, and we'll get into more detail about the Toronto Raptors later on in the show. On that note, we're going to take a break, and we're going to chat with uh, Matt Larkin of the Hockey News right after the break here on the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability. I'm Brett Wills, joined to my right by Mr. Brock Richardson. In front of me is Cam Jenkins and in our control room, Mr. Jeff Ryman. At this time, I'd like to welcome in Matt Larkin, Senior Content Producer at the Hockey News. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Jeff's going to check into that, but we're going to uh, talk all things... um Hockey related. Hey, uh, uh, with, with uh, I was talking to you guys in the uh, lobby this morning about uh, what uh, something I saw on Twitter this morning, and uh, it had everything to do with Nylander and uh, a potential trade. Yeah. So uh, I, I saw this thing, uh, and uh, I was wondering what uh, what you guys thought. Okay. So what's the proposed trade? Well. Off the top of my head, I'm not 100% sure it makes a lot of sense, so I'm not sure I want to get into it until we have Mr. Larkin on the line with us. But um, are, are we tired of hearing about uh, Nylander? Or? Oh, totally, 100%. Absolutely. I'm tired of hearing about it, tired of talking about it, uh, either sign or... Like, go to the KHL. The, the thing is, like, I'm with Cam. Like, I, I, I want to talk about it one more time, and I want to talk about it either... I just want to talk. He's here or not. I think we've got Matt on the line. Matt, are you with us? Oh, seems to still be having some technical difficulties. So I read this morning that uh, there was a, a proposal, um, and I guess it's, it's it's floating around on Twitter, so it's probably not true. But uh, Jake Muzzin and Tanner Pearson and another asset from L.A. for Nylander. So what do we think about that? Anybody, here's my thing. Anybody that will actually play hockey, I'm it's okay with. better than – because Nylander is not playing. So. Well, he, he is playing hockey. He's just not playing hockey for with the Leafs. the Leafs right now, and he's not in the country. No. So – and we only have – uh, a year or two of a window um, potentially to win the cup. 
uh, maybe a little bit more than that, but potentially right now I think is when you really need to go for it. So if you're not going to be able to sign Nylander by December 1st, I think you seriously got to think about trading him. Yeah, and I heard last week that, uh, you know, this is going to be the crunch week about either sign him or don't. And we didn't, and we started hearing, oh, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, and still nothing. So I, I'm just done with it. I'm with Cam 100%. I, you know, I want to talk about it one more time, and that's it. If and when they sign Nylander, do you think the Kadri still fits on this team? Yeah. Um, Matt Larkin, do we have you? Uh, I'm here. Do you guys hear me now? Hi, hey, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good, fellas. Right Sorry on. about that. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Hey, no problem at all. So, uh, hey, Matt, uh, Matt, for, for the uh, listeners that don't know uh, a lot about you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I'm the senior content producer at the Hockey News. Uh, I've been here since... 2011, and uh, I produce the podcast, I produce our new show web series, the Hockey News Live, and uh, I cover the game on a national basis, interviews, stories, all that jazz. Very cool. Matt, we're kind of going to ask a bunch of questions about the Canadian team, so let's start with uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Are they the best team in Canada, in your opinion? Uh, I absolutely think they are, and they are my Stanley Cup pick. I think they have uh, a great amount of balance on their team. They have the firepower of a team like the Leafs in Tampa Bay. They have one of the best goalies in the game in Connor Hellebuck. Real stars on defense, Dustin Bufflin, the shutdown pair of Jacob Truba, Josh Morrissey. Such a rich farm system that just keeps feeding and feeding more high-end talent seemingly every year, and they have more coming from the farm as well. So depth to trade from, even if they're looking to make upgrades later in the season, they're the most stacked team best, and uh, I think they're the best team in all of Canada. I'm kind of wondering, we saw the first matchup of uh, Toronto-Winnipeg, and obviously Toronto, uh, you know, dominated that game uh, for the majority of it. Was it more likely that Toronto played better than Winnipeg, or Winnipeg didn't play very well? I think it was a bit of both. I don't think it was Connor Hellebuck's best game. I think there are a few shots that normally he had. But I do think the Leafs play well. They played with speed. I find you've seen some hide act from the Leafs this year where they play down to the level of their weaker opponents, and I think they stop skating. They play a little bit lazy. They take some penalties where they're reaching with their sticks. They're complacent. But tougher teams sometimes, like Winnipeg, it's like they play up to and I thought the Leafs were using their speed, especially, to skate around Winnipeg. So I, I think they earned that victory. Matt, Montreal is off to a pretty good start right now. Is this a mirage, or do you see them uh, continuing the trend? I think it's a bit of both. And I, I think that Vegas uh, set a template last year um, showing that with a lot of hard work and an aggressive forecheck and a speed-based game, you can overachieve. You can punch above your weight class. I think we're seeing that with Montreal right now. They're not a team that's high on talent, uh, although you're getting some really nice hockey from Max Domi so far. Uh, but I think that they're playing with a lot of intensity. They're working hard. They've, they've sort of adopted that buzzing hornet's nest mentality on the forecheck. Uh, so I think it's going to make them annoying to play against for some of the top contender teams. Uh, but I still also believe that the talent will rise to the top. So I don't see Montreal sustaining it over the course of the season, but maybe they're not going to be as bad as we might have thought. Maybe they're not going to be a last-place team, for example. 
And with the Ottawa Senators, you can almost kind of say the same thing, couldn't you, as far as they've started off really well and, you know, uh, being a, you know, a lot of uh, my friends, they kind of bug me because I'm a Maple Leaf fan and I was thinking that Toronto Maple Leafs would be able to, you know, basically bug Ottawa this year, but they're doing really well too. Yeah, they are. And it's funny, it is a very similar story between Ottawa and Montreal, uh, both teams playing with a lot of speed. What's intriguing to me about Ottawa is that even after they've lost Eric Carlson, they their prospect cupboard is not bare. They have some guys with legitimate potential. I mean, of course, Brady Kachuk. Thomas Shabbat has been fantastic early this season, and that's not a fluke. He was always projected to become a really big 25-minute-a-night star defenseman in the NHL. So what we're seeing from him, I think, is, is him blossoming into a legitimate number one defenseman and possibly a perennial all-star for years to come. So there is reason for excitement. I think there's more reason for excitement in Ottawa than Montreal because of the fact you're seeing some of your, your young players uh, contribute a lot. At the same time, uh, I don't expect Ottawa to keep it up because this is not a deep roster right now. And you've got Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone, unrestricted free agents this coming summer. So if Ottawa's not in the playoff hunt come February, March, you're probably going to see both guys moved in trades uh, as Ottawa tries to, to stock the cover with more picks and prospects for later. My question here is uh, pretty simple, and it regards the Leafs. Are they contenders or pretenders? I think they're contenders, but they're flawed contenders. So I've said all year or all summer, I should say, that this is a team that's going to win 50 games. They're going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the league, if not the highest scoring. Getting John Tavares was sort of the law of diminishing returns. They're already a top three or four offensive team in the league. They've added more firepower, of course, especially if you get Will Nealander back. So they're going to win a lot of games, 7-5. Um, but I, I think that they're, even though they're, they're a contender, I think, for the President's Trophy, they're going to probably set another franchise record in points this year. They might not get far because, A, in the Atlantic Division, uh, you're, you're going to have to play Tampa and Boston at the latest in round two. And, B, we know that the Leafs are still leaky defensively. The right side of their defense is maybe the worst right side of any, of any uh, defense core of any contending team in the NHL. Have to repair that. And if they don't, I don't think we can put them in the absolute top elite tier with, say, Winnipeg, Nashville, Tampa Bay. Now, could this be repaired come the trade deadline, in your opinion, or are we looking beyond that to be repaired? Uh, I think it can be repaired uh, depending on what you get, right? So I know that that could be considered a cop-out answer, but it does depend on out there and what teams are still in contention, right? So a team like Carolina has a lot of defensemen to off, but looks pretty good so far. So you can't necessarily count all of a sudden on a Carolina being a team that might be able to sell off a Justin Falk, for example, at the trade deadline. So on that, but either way, I, I do think that Kyle Dubas is going to be active this year because shots and we're seeing you know austin matthews and mitch marner having amazing seasons their contracts are going to explode soon and if you go back to the chicago blackhawks sure they won the stanley cup before jonathan taves and patrick kane's big contracts they went out and signed marion hosa and they made their big move so do have a window more cap flexibility now than they're going to have next year so i believe this is an important year to take your shot at the cup and i do think dubas is going to follow suit and and to get a defenseman in a trade. Now, you brought this up earlier. Uh, William Nylander, what in the heck is going on with William Nylander? Is he going to be here before December 1st or what? <laughs> it's going to be It's <laughs> going to be close. We're down to five weeks. Um, and I thought that by now he would have been signed. I definitely thought that. Still reasonably optimistic that it's going to happen. And, we, you know, of course, Kyle Dubas went out to Switzerland and 
believe there's been some progress in the talks. Um, and we've got this, this time limit, at least I, I know you guys are saying that you're tired of hearing of it. And the good thing is, whatever happens, we're going to get an answer soon. So the, the wait or, or, or all the annoyance is going to end. Um, will he be in the Leaf lineup? If I have to make a bet, I think they're going to find a way, especially because um, the Leafs have actually not been a very good team at even strength this year. A lot of their scoring is coming on the power play, and they're kind of getting beaten, or, or teams are getting the better of them in five and five plays. So I think suddenly they're thinking, okay, a lot of people are saying, oh, look how much they're scoring, trade William Nealander for defensemen. But lately I'm seeing this team thinking, hmm, they might need a bit more depth and balance in their forward group. So I think they're going to welcome Nealander back and probably not want to trade him unless they have to, unless you're getting to the end of November because you don't want to risk having him not play at all this season. That would be the disaster scenario. Matt, when we look at West, we look at the Edmonton Oilers and what they suffered through last year. When you look at them this year, is this their the more most important year that they've had or that they should be having to date? I think with Edmonton, you could make the case that, you know, in this Connor McDavid era right now, every season is the most important season because they've got to do something with Connor McDavid in these prime years. And people say, well, he's only 21 years old. But if you look at the generational talent, Crosby, Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, they all peaked. Their peak seasons came about 22, 23 years old. They were all winning Stanley Cups or at least contending for Stanley Cups by then. So you need to see some progress during these these supernova McDavid years. Um, but what's worrisome is just the depth around him does not seem to be sufficient, and they failed to surround him with enough speed. And the problem now is the only players that do have the speed is David McDavid are guys who are so young that they're being shoehorned into the lineup when they may or not be re- may or may not be ready. Guys like Kyler Yamamoto. And there's a history uh, in the recent uh, Oilers franchise, the roster is year after year in the last say, 10 to 15 years, of forcing guys into the lineup before they're ready. Uh, and now all of a sudden you have Evan Bouchard, 18 years old, in the lineup on defense. A lot of promise, but again, a lot of it's a big ask for an 18-year-old defenseman to be thrust into the into the fray. And you've got Kyler Yamamoto asked to skate with McDavid on the first line when he's probably better off with another year of, of seasoning. So uh, Edmonton seems to be making the same mistakes over and over, and I, I do worry about their long-term fate uh, this season. And then uh, still staying out west, the Calgary Flames, uh, they ended up getting Mike Smith uh, last year, and it doesn't seem to be helping. They don't seem to be where they need to be. What do you think about Calgary? Calgary has been a strange one this year because it's funny. Every year there's a team that has a great offseason, so we think, and we think they're going to be vastly improved. And I know in our predictions we had Calgary, I think, winning the Pacific Division. We love the additions that, that they made. Um, and, yeah, Mike Smith of Mike Smith. Last year, he was actually for most of the year, maybe their best player. Uh, and he got injured. You could say it's unlucky, but it also is probably related to his age. He's in his mid-30s now. It's possible that, you know, Smith never came back because he's he's closer to 40 than he is to 30 now. Still probably the best puck handling goaltender in the NHL. Sooner or later, you know, the bottom just falls out and guys, their, their skill level, and it, maybe it's happening to Mike Smith early the sample size is small the other thing to watch out for for mike smith is um goals are way up there we're seeing the most goals in the nhl in e3 years and we know the reason is the change in goaltending equipment and the big of the guys that are they're complaining a lot about getting hurt but they're also suffering is they're used to being able to block that inch seemingly of the net but a lot more daylight to shoot for 
because they relied on their bodies and not their movement to stop the pucks, right? So Mike Smith's an example, very big goaltender. And uh, if he's suddenly allowing a lot more holes for shooters, and that's why more pucks are going in. Whenever goalies are speaking out about equipment, ever notice goalies that are the ones in Bishop? <laughs> yep. Effective. Matt, uh, if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan, what's your realistic expectation for this season now that they don't have Daniel and Hendrick? Uh, I think don't want um, – basically the expectation should be to have no expectation. I think the Canucks have started really piling up some high-end exciting prospects. Of course, Lise Pedersen, Brock Bester, goaltending prospect, and Thatcher Demko. Uh, they've got Quinn Hughes. I really like what they're building. Um, so I think that you – in Vancouver's case, you're almost better off too good and not creating unrealistic expectations, not putting themselves in a situation where Jim Benning's going to make a dumb trade and the team thinks they're better than they are. Uh, so I think the Canucks, if you're Canucks fans, you should just be enjoying the kids, watching their progress, and just thinking very long-term. Matt, I just want to thank you for joining us. I apologize earlier for our technical difficulties, but... Uh... Thanks again, and we, uh, good luck with everything at the Hockey News. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you again down the road. Absolutely, anytime. Thanks, guys. That was Matt Larkin, senior content producer at the Hockey News. With that, we are going to take a break. Coming up next, we are going to talk about the Cruisers Cup, the CFL, and everything sports. Here on the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio and Voices for Ability, we will be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone. I am Brett Wills, joined to my right by Brock Richardson. In front of me is Cam Jenkins and in our control room, Mr. Jeff Ryman. Right now, we are going to touch on the Cruisers Cup Sledge Hockey Tournament happening in Brampton, Ontario, Canada, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at South Fletcher Sports Complex, Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Brock, what are your thoughts? You know what? We were discussing this earlier, and I, first of all, cannot believe it's 10 years. Like, I remember when we had the first event, and it does not seem now like a decade has passed. It's a great event to go to. I strongly, strongly encourage, if you have the chance to attend and you're in the Brampton area, go support the Cruisers, because it's a great event of great sledge hockey. Yeah, it it is, and it's grown so much over the last 10 years. Uh, this tournament is going to be the largest to date. There's going to be 42 teams. And they're also going to have a team from Russia coming this year, too, which is really cool. Um, Tim Hortons, um, they've done uh, sponsorship for the uh, Cruisers Cup for the past uh, couple of years as well, two, three years. And once again, they're the title sponsor this year. And I believe if you um, do a hashtag Cruisers Cup 2018, you have the potential to win a Tim Hortons gift card too. So that's a little uh, tidbit of information for our listeners if they want to potentially win a um, Tim Hortons um, 
uh, Tim Hortons gift card. So, yeah, it's a great. I used to play in it for quite a few years as well. Um, they have a few divisions as well. Um, the top division will include national players again this year. And as always, it's top-notch competition. So everyone uh, should go out to uh, South Fletcher's Arena in Brampton. It's uh, The address is 500 uh, Ray Lawson Boulevard if anyone wants to uh, go out and uh, check it out. There's a lot of games Friday all the way through Sunday, so go to the website, and they even have um, uh, updates as quickly as they have them, so you'll be able to know what's going on. So strongly encourage you to go to the event, and congratulations to the Cruisers uh, for 10 years. Good on them, and uh, wish them all the best for uh, the event uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Well, the... um Toronto Raptors have made history with six wins in a row. They've never done this before. Um, Jeff, I'll let you lead off on this one. Thoughts? Yeah, the Raptors, uh, they're the real deal. I like what they're doing. I like what their coach is doing. Nick Nurse, I think, is uh, trying things that we didn't necessarily see with the coach, Dwayne Casey, from years past. And what I mean by that is that he's tinkering with the starting lineup. And you see JV coming off the bench. You see Serge Ibaka not in the starting lineup. Uh, he's sort of tinkering with all these different lineups. And I think that's kind of where the league is going and kind of where sports in general is going. You see it so often now where you sort of have to play to other teams' game plans. And you see it in baseball with pitchers going in for um, starting pitchers only going about an inning. Um, you, you see it in hockey with different sort of uh, – playing styles. I mean, there's no more fighters in the NHL. They're all shifting towards more uh, uh, speed and skill players. And now in the NBA, you're seeing a shift where a lot of the players are a little bit smaller. The big guys are sort of getting left out. Uh, You don't necessarily see those seven foot, seven foot, whatever monsters that are banging down low and and uh, getting the easy buckets. You're seeing a lot of three-point shooting. You're seeing a lot of shooting in general from outside the arcs. So uh, I like what uh, Nick Nurse has done and sort of incorporated and in, in, uh, changed the game style and game plan of the Toronto Raptors to sort of better fit their needs because obviously change was needed from last year to this year, and they have a completely different team, although they still have a bunch of the same key pieces. Uh, with inserting Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green last night, and that game was on fire. I mean, the three-point yeah. shooting capability, Absolutely. I love that acquisition of Danny Green uh, to get one other really bona fide, solidified three-point shooter to go along with C.J. Miles because they relied on C.J. Miles a lot last year. Yeah. And they obviously need three-point shooting. And last year, if C.J. Miles was off, uh, the Raptors didn't really have uh, efficient, consistent three-point shooting. And now you throw in Danny Green in the mix, and he's a perfect complement to a guy like C.J. Miles. So I love this team. They're going to be really, really good this year. And touching on C.J. Miles, um, he looks like he's the odd man out. Uh, on this team right now, yeah, he he's not getting as many minutes as he was probably promised when they signed him. But I mean, you got you got to play well uh, in order to earn your minutes. If but, I if I can use a, a quick analogy that I hope the three of you will appreciate, we we've gone from being a team that has Tyrannosaurus Rexes, Triceratops, to having a group of Raptors in terms of their speed yeah. on our team. Totally. The one thing, and I was going to bring this up, but this was before uh, they played uh, the most recent game. I was going to say that I'm not sure no matter what success the Toronto Raptors have, um, 
what kind of credit Nick Nurse is going to get this year, and this is because a lot of the pieces that were still uh, that were around, besides for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, but a lot of the pieces were still Dwayne Casey, and I was wondering about the system change, but I have seen a huge difference in this Toronto Raptors team, and I got to tell you, Nick Nurse is not afraid to play the hot hand. Like, if you're not playing well, CJ Miles, guess what? You're not going to get the time that you would promise because you're, if you're not playing well, you're you're not uh, going to get the time. It's so. the next man up mentality, and they've got yeah, it. They've got totally. the depth. I mean, if, if CJ Miles isn't playing well, maybe Norm Powell steps in and tries to take that, take some minutes from him. I, I feel like a lot of those guys who are a little bit further down in the lineup um, may feel a little bit of pressure from their peers in the standpoint where if CJ Miles isn't playing well, like I said, and a guy like Norm Powell um, it, it is, maybe they can sort of push each other to better themselves. You know, they want minutes. These guys obviously want to play, so it's kind of good. It's, it's a good. It's a good thing to have for the Toronto Raptors to have those guys sort of pushing each other. Mm-hmm. And I know we saw it a couple of years ago. They sort of had like a a mini uh, documentary or a feature on on one of the sports stations here. And I forget uh, what it was, but I think it was pretty much saying how Kyle Lowry and Corey Joseph, when he was on the team, how they would push each other because they both obviously wanted to start. And Kyle Lowry was obviously (laughs) the starter. But Corey Joseph would push Kyle Lowry and and vice versa. And at the time, Fred Van Vliet was a rookie. Mm -hmm. And Fred was soaking this all in saw how competitive these guys were. And I think that just sort of shows the type of team the Toronto Raptors are. They're, mm-hmm. um, they like to go hard, and they'll push each other at practices. Uh, it seems like their, their, their chemistry is really coming together with a couple of the new pieces. Um, so if, if you're a Toronto Raptors fan, if you're Nick Nurse, if you're Masai Ujiri, Masai yeah. Ujiri must be really loving this right now. 6-0, and he uh, came under fire a lot oh, during my the offseason. Yeah. Oh, during the summertime? For, <laughs> for trading away the franchise's best player, uh, the face of the franchise for so many years. Um, but I almost feel like people are sort of forgetting that. And How often do you hear it anymore that anybody is saying about DeMar DeRozan? They're winning. They're undefeated. They're not going to remain undefeated throughout the entire no. season. But they're surely looking like they're the best team out of the East. And I was mentioning to Andy, a bunch of other media outlets have their power rankings that came out. And the Toronto Raptors are number one in terms mm-hmm. of power rankings in the entire NBA. Not just the East, nope. but in the entire NBA, which is pretty big because the Western Conference has some pretty big powerhouses like Houston and obviously Golden State, but Toronto is number one in the entire league, so Masai Ujiri must be smiling. So wait, you're you're telling me that I'm not allowed to hashtag (laughs) hashtag 82-0? and Oh, I guess you, you can want. if you want. Do you want if to want, bet on yeah, that? Yeah, do you want to bet on that? Do you want to eat some more pickled onions? Yeah, I was <laughs> I just you. about to say. I, 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 lo- I, I, love, I love pickled onions. Do you yeah, actually? Love you're going to love it by the end of uh, What was your year, honest opinion you of, the, of the pickled onions? Seriously. Like, would you eat it outside Don't of the bread, because I have. So if, if it didn't cause me to have really bad stomach gas and have it come up the front um i'm trying to put this delicately yeah maybe for, we should for, just... the, for the rest of the day um i'd probably eat them all the time really but but i was That's very uncomfortable I, I was kind of uncomfortable 
in my upper gastric. Yeah, once again, I don't think our listeners really want to listen to this kind of stuff. They want to listen to some sports. So let's talk a little bit more about the Raptors, shall we? Like, Let's talk about Kyle Lowry and how well he's doing and how I think six games into the season, and it's early, but I think so far he's the MVP of this team. Yeah, yeah, he's still the guy that runs the runs the ship. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is one and one a totally, but yeah, and Danny Green and Kawhi, I think they're all uh, doing very well. Um, but like Lowry last night, he had another twelve assists. Yeah, yeah. and he's got sixty two for the year so far, and that's sixty more than any other player in the NBA. Kyle Lowry is averaging twenty points, ten point three rebounds a game, and shooting. 52.8% from three-point range. Exactly. And which before is you were ridiculous. talking about three points, and I think uh, you left Kyle Lowry out of that because he's amazing at the three-pointer uh, as but you well. But you know why? And it's very timely, too. Because Kawhi Leonard is not afraid to share the basketball. He gets in the middle, pops it out. There's Kyle Lowry in the corner, drained it. Okay, yeah. wait wait, wait a second. Let, let, let's be serious here for a second. I could shoot 55% in my sleep. Excuse me. Do you want to make a bet on that? I thought you said you wanted to be serious here for a second. Hold on, on, stop, stop, stop. In your actual sleep, you could shoot that percentage or like... Maybe in a dream or something. In my actual REM, I could shoot 55% from three-point line. From three-point line. So we're going to get you to a gymnasium, put you behind a three-point line, get you to take 11 shots. No, but he's saying in his dream. In his dream, he's saying he could do Oh, it. he can't do it in his dream, let alone uh, wide awake. <laughs> All right. Couple <laughs> the of, only way he might be able to do it is if he has his tea in the morning. A couple of really quick questions here. Was anybody surprised that uh, Kawhi Leonard was not part of the second back-to-back with uh, the Washington Wizards? Yes or no? No. Why no. are we even talking about it? Fair enough. <laughs> Shut that one down pretty quick, eh? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's I good have, that he did a... I have no problem with it. I'm not bothered by it whatsoever. They ended up getting the the win anyways. Um, it shows how deep the team is. Like We've been talking about all year and all of last year, how deep the team is. Um, Kawhi Leonard is coming off of a pretty major injury, a quad injury. You need your legs, obviously, to play <laughs> basketball. So they want to uh, they want to they want to sort of be precautious with that. And back to back is hard enough, anyways. Give yeah. the guy a break. I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Absolutely. And we still beat the team as well without Kawhi Leonard. So absolutely. Quick yes or no around the table. Did we all expect this start from the Raptors? Brad, start with you. No, definitely not. Jeff, uh, I wouldn't say a perfect record is uh, is was to be expected, but I think yeah, they were supposed to be good. <laughs> Cam, absolutely, because I believe both of you two had said that Nick Nurse was too uh, close to Casey and that he wouldn't necessarily be a good coach. I expected uh, one loss, and I expected it to be <laughs> against the Washington Wizards on the back to back, especially. And with that, we are going to take our final break of the morning. Come back, and we will talk all things sports you are listening to the neutral zone on ami audio and voices for ability we will be right back Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Brett Wills and Cam Jenkins. Well, um, we got a bunch of stuff to discuss here. Let's start by talking about the World Series. Now, I'll lead off by saying that 
that was the longest game in uh, World Series history last night, uh, going 18 innings. I made it till about 12.30 Eastern Time uh, this morning and decided i got to get up at 7 in the morning to do the neutral zone. I'm going to bed. However, I do know that the Dodgers uh, got a game in and they won last night. Thoughts, uh, Brett? You know, the, the, that was a really exciting baseball game last night. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the entire thing, but I did see highlights this morning for about half an hour. And uh, I don't know who who the gentleman was that hit the game-winning home run, but uh, he, he didn't really take credit for it. He said this is a team game, and he, uh, he suggested that uh, – or he thanked the 10,000 fans or so that were – Left in the seats uh, at Dodger wait, Stadium. Wait, wait, there were only ten thousand fans left. About about ten thousand fans were left in the seats. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was Max Munsey. He hit the home run. Ma- Max Munsey, uh, what a humble dude! Yeah, you, you just you you hit the game winning home run and you, you, you thank the fans. Uh, what an awesome experience! Uh, what what a a great way to end a the longest game in World Series history. And they're back at it in uh, about. Eight hours or so. Uh, again, they gotta they gotta do it. Uh, do we expect some fall off from uh, tonight's game because it's so short of a turnaround, Cam? No, absolutely. Um, I think it's going to be a huge fall off, especially with the Boston Red Sox because of the um, you know who they had to substitute in to get into the game and who they're not going to be able to play now moving forward. Uh, I think it was a huge gamble by the Boston Red Sox what they did, and, and it'd be interesting to see, you know, how they're going to do for the rest of the series because of uh, who they substituted into the game. Yeah. So Jeff, would you say that uh, this was yes a win for the Dodgers in Game Three, but a win moving further down the series because of that? Uh I don't know. I I feel like yes and no because if you watch the game, I only got like most people probably caught. Uh, just bits and pieces of it because it was so late that the game went into uh, 18 innings. Um, but I, I think that for the Dodgers, yes, they got the win, but it could have went either, either way really easily. I mean, there were so many different errors. I think at one point there could have been an easy throw to first base, and uh, I think it was Yasiel Puig who legged out the, uh, yep. the, the single there. That could have easily been bossing up 3 nothing. So, yeah, it's sort of a moral victory for L.A. going basically playing two games. They went 18 innings, so basically two games. Yep. Um, it has to feel pretty good, plus they're at home where they're nice and comfortable. So maybe for the short term, maybe today, they might feel a little bit more comfortable going back to their own beds, you know, seeing their own families and stuff like that. But uh, Boston, they're, uh, they, they probably are thinking, hey, we were right there with them the whole time. Obviously, going that deep into a game is, is, is uh, hard enough, but... It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for for Boston as well going forward because they're not having a whole lot of rest heading into today's game. And neither apparently, according to ESPN, I have an article up here. Neither the Dodgers nor the Red Sox have announced a game four starter as of yet. I'm not sure if that's changed or not. No, I don't but, think it uh, is. They but... haven't they haven't announced a starter yet. So that just sort of shows that uh, how tired or fatigued these guys might be. And that's why they put one of the game two starters. And I don't. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was with Boston, whoever with a game two starter was going to yeah. be. They ended up having to put him in last night to try to win. I this think he game. pitched six innings or something. Like yeah, he basically exactly. had a start. That's yeah. how uh, long the game was. Even uh, even David Price, he went in last night and 
he was supposed to would have supposed to started uh, a game uh, four or f- five, I believe it was. He was supposed to start, but I think that's going to be uh, pushed back. Speaking of Dave, David Price, I'm a believer in what David Price is doing now. I <laughs> wasn't sold on it after the first time I saw him do what he did, but last night he proved, no, no, he's back, and, and I'm sure Mr. Rukavina would be happy to hear me say that I am a buyer in what David Price is selling. Um, so, winner tonight. Anyone want to take a stab? Who's winning? Dodgers. Dodgers. I'm going to go Red Sox. I think they, uh, they're they going to bounce back. I mean, they're, they were the best team in the regular season for a reason. Uh, they won the first two games pretty easily. Last night was sort of a... Uh, a, a, a downfall for them, but I think that there's no chance that they lose two in a row against the Dodgers. Interesting. I am going the uh, Dodgers just simply because of what Jeff alluded to. They're in their own bed last night. Uh, they did not uh, have to, you know, go into hotels or whatever. They're in their own beds. They do their own thing, and so I think that's going to bode well, especially when you're playing, uh, you know, Three games in in two days when you factor in the two games uh, last night. Uh, Just quickly, Charlie Montoya gets hired. Montoyo, sorry. Gets hired by the Toronto (laughs) My name is Charlie Montoyo. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) any thoughts? I like it. I like it. He came from uh, the Rays organization. Uh, He... uh, has is is bilingual, which I know was a big topic of discussion here on the neutral zone. But I like it. The Rays organization. If you look at any minor league team or minor league um, system in the entire league, uh, the Rays are probably one of the ones you want to model after because they don't have money, but they seem to keep developing solid players year in year out. So, grabbing a guy from that organization, I think bodes well for the rebuilding Toronto Blue Jays. He has won at every, um, in the minors for the Rays organizations, he's won at every level. I forget exactly what the stats were for AAA, but I think he's won a couple of uh, championships with AAA, seven division crowns. Um, He's been all through the organization for 18 years, so I I think he's going to be a really good pick for the Blue Jays. Um, And the really cool stat is that uh, he was um, with Vladdy Guerrero Sr. when he came up with the Expos, and he kind of groomed him for a year, and now he's going to be with uh, Vlad Jr. So uh, obviously it's not the reason why they picked him, but it's kind of a cool uh, stat or uh, storyline to go with. I just think it's really cool that uh, he was with the uh, Durham Bulls. I'm uh, going to go home today and watch uh, Bull, Durham Bull Durham on that uh, just because that's uh, that's the greatest correlation ever. <laughs> I'm kind of the opinion that it's wait and see. This guy has a good resume, but uh, I really want to see what he does and how he does it, and uh, then we'll see. I'm not suggesting that it's you know they got to make the playoffs or nothing, but. Uh, you know, I just want to see what he implements on the field, and then we'll make an assessment later on. On that note, that is the end of our show. I'd like to thank Brett Wills, Cam Jenkins. Our technician today was Jeff Ryman. Also in behind the scenes is uh, Matt Agnew. Our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. See you next week. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.